You're listening to the Sunday morning message from Clouds Creek Baptist Church. Join us for worship Sunday morning at 11. Or for more information, visit cloudscreek.org. Talking about peace. And the approach that I've, I've taken to this advent of, of Christmas and the chaos is it seems like these things are foreign things. Hope, peace, joy. When you're in chaos, these are not natural things that we have. And so the approach that we've been taking this advent is not only how can we have hope, have peace, have joy, have love, but then give it to those around us. Because a world in chaos, these are the things that they need. They need these things. They need Jesus, and Jesus has brought these to us, so we give them to the world. And there's several different types of peace. We use the word peace to mean a, a couple different things. Peace can mean like a temporary calm, like when both of my kids are napping. That is a type of peace. I have some peace for a little while. Or peace can be inner peace. Peace within yourself or relational peace, or we use it to talk about global relations, that there is uh, countries can have peace between those two nations. And I want to focus in on two of those types of peace today. I want to focus in on inner peace and relational peace. We're going to talk about inner peace and relational peace. So let's look at first inner peace. Again, like, like I said, we started this series Christmas in the chaos, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how chaotic this year has been. And when we're surrounded by chaos, chaos usually makes an impact inside us as well. It's not just an external thing. It usually has an impact on us inside. Whether it's getting a bad health report, relational struggles, financial issues, or some other area, when there's chaos there, it usually just doesn't stay outside. It finds its way into our mind, into our hearts. We become worried or anxious, running scenarios in our mind that may or may not happen because of this chaos. Two weeks ago, we talked about hope. I think hope is a building block of peace. I don't think you can have peace without having hope. Because when you don't have hope, when your hope isn't in Jesus, but in the things of this world, the chaos in these areas will absolutely cause you to worry. Whatever the thing you have hope in, when it moves, you start to freak out. I think about rappelling off of a cliff, which I know all of us do on a frequent basis. Um, or maybe sometimes it just feels like we're doing that. Um, but if you're rappelling off of a cliff, when you tie off, you want to tie to something sturdy and strong. That's what you want to tie off on. You don't want to tie off on the dog or like a small rock or like something that's going to move, because then what's going to happen? You're going to fall, or you're, at least you're going to freak out a little bit, right? When it starts to move, you go, ah, you know, you start to have that, that worry thing. You, you want to tie yourself to something strong, maybe like a sturdy tree with deep roots, something you aren't going to worry is going to give out on you. If you try to tie it around yourself, you're going to have a long fall, but a lot of us try to do that. We try to anchor to other things. We might try to anchor to ourselves. That's not going to be helpful when you're trying to rappel down a cliff. We have to anchor our hope in something sturdy, and then we can have peace. 
When you anchor yourself, when your hope is in something that you know is not going to move, then you can have peace. Because you know you've anchored to something that is not going to move. It's not going to wiggle. When the wind and the storms come, it's going to stay. So when our hope is in the Lord, we know that he will not fail us. We know that he will not abandon us. Jesus understood this with his disciples, that he needed to prepare them for when he left, that he wasn't physically the thing they were anchored to. So he started to prepare them. And he said in John chapter 14, he said, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He says, my peace I leave with you. This is not just the peace that happens when both kids are taking a nap because eventually you're going to hear the door open and you're going to go, well, there that goes. Because that kind of peace is temporary. That's not the peace that he is bringing to us. He left us his peace, the Holy Spirit. So we have that peace. We have that peace because when we're saved, you receive the Spirit of God dwelling inside you. So you have the peace in you already. But it's not going to force itself on you. You have to allow it to work in you. Paul speaks on this in Philippians chapter 4. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think what's interesting about this passage is he doesn't say you will get peace doesn't say he will give you peace because you already have it. You already have the Spirit of God dwelling inside you. When Jesus says, my peace I give to you, it's already inside us. Paul is just telling us how to use that. It's like if, you, if you, your house gets broken into and you say, well, I have locks on all the doors. It's like, well, did you use them? Did you lock them? It's the same thing. We have the peace inside us, but are you using it? We shouldn't say, well, I have the Holy Spirit. I shouldn't be worried about anything. Are you using it? Are you using the Spirit of God to give you peace that surpasses all understanding? Are you just expecting it to just work on its own? You have to use His Holy Spirit in us. When you face an issue that is difficult, that might start to cause you worry, anxiety, whatever it is, you can speak over yourself. My hope is not in this thing. My hope is in the Lord. God, I am thankful for what you have given to me. And even if things are not exactly as I want right now, I trust that you are in control. Your ways are higher than my ways. And you will give me peace. That is our approach. If we have that approach, we will have peace that surpasses all understanding. And I love that phrase, peace that surpasses understanding. There's a great example of this in uh, Mark 4, where we've been in Mark, and I want to reread this passage because it's a perfect example of peace that surpasses understanding. So you have uh, 
Picking up in verse 36 of Mark 4, it says, In leaving the crowd, they took, with him, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. There was a great, a great windstorm arose, and waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we're dying? He awoke and rebuked the wind of the sea and said, Peace, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Part of me wonders if that, that sentence was also to the disciples. Peace. Peace. Be still. I'm here. What's interesting here is that the disciples had understanding. These are several of the disciples are men who spent their lives on boats. It was their job. They caught fish. They were on a boat all the time. So they understood what was happening. They understood when the boat is starting, the, the waves are rocking, the wind is beating the ship, and it's starting to fill up with water. They had understanding. They knew what a boat was capable of. And this situation was cause for panic. And Jesus is asleep. He had peace beyond understanding. The disciples had the understanding. And Jesus had peace that surpassed that understanding. Again, you have access to the same peace that Jesus had on the boat. The same peace that he was able to sleep when the boat is filling up with water dwells inside you. He said, my peace I leave with you. The second part of having that peace is relational peace. It's not just about whether or not you have peace, but are you living at peace with those around you? And I can confidently say this, is, this takes work. Relational peace is not easy. I think it is a more natural state if we, if we have inner peace to start there at having that peace and using the peace that the Holy Spirit is within us. Relational peace means not just sweeping stuff under the rug. It means having hard conversations. It means forgiving each other. It means thinking before you speak. Relational peace isn't easy. It takes intentionality. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, he says, if you're offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Paul says in Romans, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with what? All. As far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. First thing we see in these two passages is that the burden is on you. The burden of living at peace is not on the other person. It's on you. So there's no weaseling out because, oh, well, if they have a problem with me, they can come talk to me. That's not how we're called to live. If they have a problem with you, you go talk to them. 
A desire to live at peace takes humility. We have to be people who put out put our pride, our desire to be right, our opinion on current issues to death to strive for relational peace. We, as Christians, should be the last people who say, well, I don't care if I offend someone. That's not how Jesus lived. At least not the Jesus in the Bible. That's not how he lived. That's a position of pride. And it's not the same of of being ashamed. That's not saying you should be ashamed of things that are true. If I say, hey, hey, Pat, I think your shirt is hideous. I'm saying what is true to me. Not really. I like your shirt. Don't. I meant to talk about, to you about this earlier. It's just an illustration, Pat. Don't take it. Don't. If I say, Pat, your shirt is hideous. That's very, very, very different than if Pat comes up to me and he says, hey, I just got this new shirt. What do you, what do you think about it? And I say, you know, Pat, it's not really my favorite. I don't. It's not, I don't really think it looks good on you. It's not a good color. It's a little too baggy. You know, whatever it might be. It's it's like, you know, it's very different. Because in one of those, I have no idea what his emotional state is. I don't know if Pat's had a really bad week and he and Marianne have been fighting and he's at a really low point. And then the pastor comes in and says, your shirt's hideous. I don't know what kind of damage that could actually do. That he says, well, now... I look terrible. You know how when people say your shirt is hideous, you kind of take it more personally, just the shirt. You're like, well, what about it? What about me? Like, what about me makes this shirt look bad? You know, we don't know what kind of state Pat would be in, but if Pat comes to me and, and asks me, we have that relationship. He is coming to seek my opinion. He's coming to seek what I think. Those are two very different things. If I think, I don't care if I offend anybody, your shirt's hideous. You see how that is, is not living at peace. It's creating a division. I'm pushing Pat aside and saying, I don't really care about your feelings. Your shirt's hideous. That's not how we should live. That's not relational peace. We should do our best to avoid being offensive. Because being offensive and not caring about the feelings of others is not how Jesus spoke. And it's not how we have relational peace. Relational peace doesn't come from us saying controversial things on Facebook. That's pride. That's a desire for have everyone think like we think and for them to have our opinion. And if our thought is, well, if they don't like it, they can unfollow me, that's immature and prideful. It's not living in a place to have relational peace. Relational peace means when you're about to post something or hit send on the email or hit send on a text or call this person or really let them know how you feel or hit reply on the comment that kind of irked you and so you've typed it all out and you're deciding whether or not to hit reply, you pause and you think, does this further incite division or is this making peace? Am I doing this for my own pride or out of a love for those who disagree with me? We miss that. We miss loving people who disagree with us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. 
I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. I think it's interesting that Paul uses the word all so many times and then he stops at some. I've become all things to all people so that some may be saved. It is worth it for me to sacrifice my opinion, my beliefs, so that one or two can enter into the kingdom of God. That's the attitude we have to have, that I will lay down anything about myself in order to lead others to Jesus. When it comes to relational peace, we should do everything we can to make it happen. Jesus used the example that we read earlier about if you are giving your gift to God and you remember there is division, he doesn't say, just give your gift real quick because that's real important. You need to worship and then go fix it. He says, go fix it. Relational peace is of such importance that Jesus himself said, if you're about to enter into worship and you know there is a rift between you and someone else, stop. Don't enter into worship. Go fix it, then come back and worship. If that doesn't stress the importance of relational peace, I don't know what does. Because if we aren't living in peace with others, you aren't living in peace. If you're not at peace with others, you aren't living at peace. Just like we talked about with hope, and I said earlier that we have the opportunity to have hope and give hope to others. You have the opportunity to have hope, or to have peace and make peace. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Not blessed are the ones who say offensive things because it's what they believe and I don't care what anybody else thinks. Not what it says. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. We are living like God's children when we have peace and we give peace to others, when we put their anger to rest, when we are gentle and mild and we say, hey, I can't help but notice I feel like you're upset with me and I want to know why because I want to fix it. That's uncomfortable. Nobody likes to enter into that conversation. Have peace and make peace. If the disciples had realized who was on the boat with them, do you think they would have been freaking out? Do you think they would have been freaking out if they knew that the creator of the water they were sailing on is sitting with them? If they had been living like children of God on the boat with the maker of the waves, they wouldn't have been worried. It's amazing that we can have peace in the chaos. I think about, about it like being in the eye of the storm. Because in the eye of the storm, everything is calm. The chaos is swirling around it, and your life has the opportunity to be the eye that you yourself 
When everything is crumbling and whirling around you 100 miles an hour, things are collapsing, that in your life you have peace. The peace of God surpasses understanding. And because of the hope that you have in him, you are not impacted by the chaos. Your fear, your spirit, your relationships are governed by something more powerful than the chaos. You have the spirit of God living inside you. And he will give you peace and we are called to make peace with others. Amen? Let's pray. God, I pray that we will be people who experience your peace. God, that it wouldn't just be experiencing calm. Calm is temporary, calm is fleeting. But God, that we would have your peace that when the waves are filling up the boat, when the wind is rocking the boat, that you would give us peace that surpasses understanding. God, I truly believe if we experienced your peace, if we fully experienced your peace, our desire would be to give it to others, to tell them about who you are, to care about how they see us, so that they don't hear us say, your shirt is hideous, but let me tell you about Jesus. That they would see the peace we have in our lives. And we would say, hey, let me tell you about this peace. Let me tell you about where my hope is that I can give you this same peace. God, let us experience that peace. Give us wisdom in what we say and what we post and what we comment and how we live and how we talk to others that we would be peacemakers, not offenders. God, give us peace. Let us give peace to others. It's your name we pray. Amen.